The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. We are live from Ricky Henderson Field on this warm Thursday <laughs> afternoon here at the Coliseum as the A's are opening up a nine-game homestand tonight and the first of a four-game series with the Houston Astros. Along with Scott Reese here on A's Cast Live today, Roxy Bernstein with you, taking the next little while as we'll get you set up for the A's and the Astros tonight. Mike Fires goes against Aaron Sanchez. As Mike Fires has pitched great ever since the, the no-hitter in early May for the A's, he is on a roll. And in two starts, it's being acquired from the Blue Jays. Aaron Sanchez has pitched really well for the Houston Astros as the A's come into play tonight. Nine and a half behind Houston in the division. And also the A's are two behind the Tampa Bay Rays in the wild card in the American League. So, Scott, fun to be with you the next little bit. You know? Yeah, like old times, man. It is. It is. And we're over across the bay the last couple of days. And, Good baseball games, although yesterday got maybe too interesting toward the end of it. But you go back to Tuesday night, and it was a ball game that went down to the wires. The A's tried to rally in the ninth inning. The Giants found a way as Will Smith walked the tightrope and was able to finally put away the A's. But then yesterday, Homer Bailey was magnificent. Seven scoreless innings of two-hit baseball with seven strikeouts. And the A's had a 7-0 lead to the eighth inning and unfortunately the bullpen for the A's made it an interesting ball game yesterday. Yeah, back-to-back uh, -back days that bullpens made it interesting. Won the Giants, right, in the ninth inning in the first game and then yesterday with uh, with the A's bullpen late in the game. Homer Bailey didn't receive much fanfare, uh, nationally speaking, when the A's made that acquisition prior to the trade deadline and all he's done is come over here and Six starts, four of them have been gems. The other two, not so much. The starts in the Bay Area have been good. Have been terrific. Because it was before yesterday, it was just the home starts. But now we can include the start across the Bay. So Homer Bailey in the Bay Area, much better than two road starts. <laughs> now, granted, the two road starts came at Wrigley Field against the Cubs. And it also came against these Astros in Houston. And, and let's not forget Homer Bailey with a, with a big RBI knock uh, yeah. in, in the game as well. Uh, the, the, it, it'll go down as a scorching <laughs> single in the books. <laughs> exactly. And you know that's what he wanted to talk about after the game. Um, but, you know, it, you get Tanner Roark, who will pitch here tomorrow, and Bailey again. You know, they, these guys didn't get the fanfare of a, of a Granke and of, of some of the, the guys who didn't get traded, right, prior to the deadline, the big names, you know, Syndergaard and Wheeler, et cetera, et cetera. But these guys are helping the A's, and they need the help to bridge the gap Maybe the Cavalry is coming. You get Mania back potentially. And, and Roxy, that's going to set up a big decision, which I know we'll talk about. But if Sean Mania is going to enter this rotation, somebody's going to have to exit the rotation. And the way Bailey pitched yesterday, can he really be the guy you yank? And, and the way you look at it 
from Bob Melvin's perspective? It's a nice problem to it have. It is a good problem when, to have. When you have yes. an abundance of starting pitching and when you have options. And right now, the, the way the starting pitching has been going, and maybe the offense will come alive now, it's been up and down, and yesterday the A's pounded out 15 hits. They hit three home runs. Matt Chapman hit two yesterday. Robbie Grossman went deep as well. But the offense, had been, it's been up and down, and they need to look for a little more consistency there. But the starting pitching's been good. When you look at what Homer Bailey did yesterday, Brett Anderson, even though he lost on Tuesday night, pitched very well. Chris Bassett was tremendous against the White Sox on Sunday. So the starting pitching's been – Tanner Roark was fine on Saturday night. Oh, he was good, yeah. And then you go back to, you know, last Friday and what happened in, in Chicago with, with Mike Fires the last time he took the mound. So – and Fires, you want to talk about a guy that's red hot. Mm. Mike Fires, his last 12 starts, has a 1.97 ERA – and the A's have won 10 of his last 12 starts. Uh, since the no-hitter, it's been incredible. Uh, he's, uh, what is it, 17 straight starts that he hasn't lost a game? I mean, that is unbelievable. What a run for a guy who has been, again, you know, under the radar nationally speaking, but he's emerged as the ace that this staff has sorely needed this year. And they were looking for somebody to step up. And, and not just him. I and mean, Brett Anderson has been consistent. Brett Anderson, okay, he's had a couple of, starts that he loved to forget but for the most part every time he's taking the ball and he's taking the ball every turn he has been really good and given this team a chance to win and he's got 10 wins right now you again good problem to have they're going to have to make some decisions with Manaya coming back Jesus Lazardo will pitch again tonight in Vegas and you know he is a guy who when he was close to returning a month ago I think they sort of had him penciled into the rotation now what do you do right I mean he's he's such an exciting young talent but do you you know ride him the rest of the season as a relief pitcher obviously that's what they plan to do with AJ Puck when he finally gets back so again a lot of talents uh, but this starting pitching staff Roxy more than held its own and it's interesting because the blueprint for these A's right most of the season has been hit a lot of home runs play great defense and they've done that but lately it's really been the pitching that's carried them with Laureano on the shelf with Chris Davis slumping with Matt Chapman before the weekend in a in a slump the pitching has carried them and speaking of the pitching after we signed off with Ace Cast Live yesterday from Oracle Park in San Francisco probably about what an hour hour and a half later if that the news broke that the A's had agreed to a minor league deal with the Dark Knight Matt Harvey <laughs> was signed by the A's he will pitch for the Las Vegas Aviators on Saturday but here's another arm you bring into the fold just in case you need somebody. And, you know, curious to me, they've already committed to using Harvey as a starting pitcher. Uh, to me, you look at what he did the first part of the year with the Angels. The numbers are terrible. I mean, the ERA was over seven. But it seemed like it was more a command issue than a velocity issue. The velo was still there. He's still throwing hard. And you have to wonder, maybe at this point in his career, after the Tommy John, after the thoracic outlet uh, surgery, maybe he would be better suited as a relief pitcher, but the A's are going to try him as a starter. So Matt Harvey's 30 years of age, began the season, as you mentioned, Scott, with the Angels, with the ERA of over 7, 12 starts. Gave up 13 home runs, and they designated him for assignment and released him. But this is a guy who's been a dominant pitcher before. You look at what he did with the Mets in 12, 13, 15, uh, 2.65 ERA in those years, making 65 starts. Now he had Tommy John surgery in 2014, had the thoracic outlet syndrome in 2016, and Harvey opted for season-ending surgery that year. And, you know, a few pitchers have been the same after they, they've gone through that procedure. But 
we'll, we'll see if he's got it in him. This is a former first-round pick. He's been a dominant starter in the National League. And it's it's worth taking a risk. And, you know, we'll, who knows if he'll ever factor in here. But it just gives you another arm just in case. You, you never know what can happen, and you, you get it into your system. Low risk, high reward, right? I mean, why not? You mentioned he's only 30 years old. Now, the arm may be a little older than 30 with everything he's been through. Uh, but, but he wasn't just a star pitcher. I mean, there was a time when people were talking about him as, you know, maybe the best young pitcher in all of baseball. How much of that remains somewhere you know, deep uh, deep within the dark night? We'll see. I tell you what, though, it, Vegas uh, season ticket holders are getting their money's worth these days. <laughs> Look at they? that rotation. You get <laughs> right? Lazardo so. tonight, right? And you got also Harvey making the start on Saturday. Marco Estrada. Marco Estrada is going to make a rehab assignment start tomorrow night. Shamanaya is going to make another one either Sunday or Monday. That's pretty good rotation. Yeah. Right yeah, and what look, and this is a rotation. That's what's remarkable. What what Bob Melvin and Scott Emerson have done here, the way they've held this thing together, considering what they dealt with with the injuries, with the rotation in terms of Mania. Look, you knew that before the year. Then Marco Estrada goes down. Daniel Gossett's been on the injured list all season. Frankie Montas, who was pitching wonderfully before he had the suspension. So, and the way they've held this thing together, of course, the acquisitions of Roark and Bailey at the deadline. Um, and also the way that Fires, Anderson, Bassett have pitched. It's been pretty remarkable what this pitching staff has done considering all the reshuffling they've had to do. And I feel like we had the same conversation about this time last year when they went on that unbelievable second half run and, and Manaya went down and they had questions up and down the it was rotation. Edwin Jackson, Edwin it was Trevor Jackson, Cahill. Right, and they brought in Fires. And, and, and so, look, the ballpark – is part of. I mean, let's let's not kid. I mean, this is a great park for pitchers, but so much credit goes to the front office for bringing in the right guys who can not only be band-aids, but who can actively help this team. And to, as you mentioned, uh, Mr. Melvin and and Emerson for for making this pitching staff thrive. Because on paper, right now, you'd say, wow, you know, you look at the A's versus some of these other playoff contenders versus say, look at a Cleveland staff. You know, I mean, it's it's night and day in terms of the name recognition, but the A's are getting it done. And they are. And it's the pitching that's set in the tone of, in this ballpark. It certainly helps all the, the spacious foul ground you have. And, look, it's it's a luxury for the pitchers also when you have the defense the A's have. Yep. When you look at, at Chapman and Simeon and Matt Olson at first base and now Corbin Joseph getting a look at second base. Fegley. Yeah, and, and Fegley behind the plate. Look, and I've been impressed with Dustin Garneau behind the plate since he's been here. I know they like Chris Herman a lot. And then even in the absence of Ramon Laureano in center, Mark Cannon has been pretty good out there. And Robbie Grossman has good metrics as far as the left fielder goes. Steven Piscotti's back in right field. This is a strong defensive team. And, look, we knew that, and it's gotten better because of the impact that Marcus Simeon has had. It was before, okay, the corners, well, what do you got up the middle? And Jed Lowry last year was really good at second base. Okay, his range might have been limited, but he was able, if he could get to it, he was making the play. And that's what Marcus Simeon has become. Now, he's got great range, too, which he showed off, made a couple of really nice plays over in San Francisco the last couple of days. But he's showing you he's one of the best defensive shortstops in the game, and it's amazing the, the transformation that he has experienced over the last few years. I'm sure you guys have hammered this over the last no, few never. months. <laughs> but the, <laughs> you know, the transformation of Marcus Simeon is 
emblematic of the transformation of this entire defensive ball club and where they were three, four years ago when they were booting everything and kicking it around and, and the errors were piling up like there's no tomorrow. And they've become one of the best defensive teams in baseball. And Semyon has been sort of the poster child for that, the work that that guy has put in to make himself go from a guy who was having all kinds of problems even with routine plays to being one of the top three or four defensive shortstops in the American League. It's, it's really been remarkable. Along with Scott Reese, Roxy Bernstein with the Ace Cast Live from Ricky Henderson Field here at the Coliseum. There is not a cloud in the sky. Hmm. It Now it's warm, but it's not hot. I mean, it's not oppressive heat. We're not like we're in the desert down in Phoenix. We get a little waft of a, of a breeze every so often Which here. Which is more than welcome. Yeah, yeah. And at some point, you'll get a little bit of a sense of that marine layer at some point tonight. But it's going to be a warm night at the Coliseum, and this yeah. is going to be a great night for baseball. Come on out. You're going to have two great teams going at it. The Astros will lead the division. The A's second place in the West. The A's two back in the wild card. And where else would you rather be tonight? Mike Fires has been pitching great. And the A's are playing some really good ball. And this is the, this is the place to be tonight. What else would you rather do on it? How Thursday nice night? How nice is it going to be in this park oh, it's at 7 o'clock tonight? Oh, awesome. What do you want to do, sit at home and watch practice football? <laughs> I mean, really? That, no. You couldn't pay me to watch practice football. <laughs> and even if I get paid to watch practice football, I'd have to think twice about it. Uh, but coming up on the show, we'll have Jeff Blum, the current Astros analyst on television, a longtime major leaguer, in fact, a Chicago White Sox World Series hero, former Astro as well, former Expo. Blum, or belief, belief, briefly, was with Tampa Bay as well. So Jeff Blum will join us. He'll stop by in about 15, 20 minutes from now. Uh, A's third base coach, longtime major league infielder, the great Matt Williams will join us coming up about a half an hour from now. And then also Tanner Roark, a starter, will stop by the show in, in about an hour from now. And we're efforting. No? Shot down? We're not getting AJ? You Stanford guys, man. Hey. You just you, you think you're so cool you're going to big league everybody. I'm just bracing for the Cal Bear love I have to endure 15 minutes from now. Oh, it's going to be late on thick now that oh, A.J. Hinch said I can't Lord. do Ace Cast Live. <laughs> so we were efforting A.J. Hinch. That's not going to happen. But we will have not necessarily a cavalcade. We'll have a, a good number of individuals that will join the festivities <laughs> that will brighten your day. How's that? <laughs> It's all, it's all anyone can ask for. Ace, well, it's already bright enough as it is. Yeah, We've all right got the sunglasses on. We've all yeah. got the, the sunscreen layered on yeah, we're, thick. We're, we're lathered. All right. I went 50 on my sunscreen. What would you go? Um, I went, boy, I don't even know what it was. i got to check. I Cody, you're, it, at a, you're at a 70 level today. I Look at it, you. I think it was 60, but it might have been Ben, you 30. got sunscreen on? Okay. You got 50. All I'm right. with you. Good, good. Okay. Healthy. All right. Yep. So you definitely need it on a day like today. It is warm at the Coliseum, but it's going to be a, just a wonderful night for baseball. Come on out. Opening game of a nine-game homestand. Mike Fires goes for the A's. Aaron Sanchez goes for the Houston Astros. It's a four-game set. And if the A's are going to make a charge in the division, it's got to start tonight. And just how good are these Houston Astros? We'll dive into that next here on A's Cast Live with Scott Reese, Roxy Bernstein with you, live from the Coliseum on A's Cast. Now back to A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. From the Coliseum on this Thursday afternoon, Ace Cast Live continues with Scott Reese. Roxy Bernstein with you. They can tweet the show, right? At AthleticsCast24. They can text the show, 510-897-1322. You can tweet at me if you want, at Roxy Bernstein and at... At Stanford Voice. 
Uh, I believe is the Twitter. Yes. I, ju- I can't type that. <laughs> Sorry. Just doesn't work. <laughs> just does not work. <laughs> Jeff Blum, the pride of the University of California. The University of California. Oh, did I infringe on Ohio State's trademark right there? The pride of the University of California. Jeff Blum will join us. Astros TV analyst coming up shortly. Let's dive into it, though, first before he comes here. Just how good is this <laughs> Houston team? They're nine and a half up on the A's coming into tonight. Fangraphs gives the the Astros a 100% chance to make the postseason. See, now that's mathematically incorrect. Uh, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I mean, the What's the magic number? Now is look, the magic I, if I run into Vegas, yeah, I'd feel confident in betting that Houston would I, make the postseason. I, I, I agree. But I agree. But that's that's simply silly, to be quite honest with yeah. you. They don't have a 100% chance of making the playoffs. And didn't they have the A's just like under 25%? At 22. Right now? 22. I, I don't buy that I don't, either. I don't buy that either. No. Even though, look, the schedule is tough, right? And it's tougher for the A's who have the harder schedule down the stretch. Then Houston's actually got the... If you go by the winning percentage, the weakest schedule of the remaining teams in the American League. Tampa Bay's schedule is pretty light as well, but they're a little bit banged up, which could help the A's. And the A's picked up a game on Tampa Bay yesterday as the Padres beat the Rays. And also the White Sox beat the Astros in a wild game thanks to James McCann's grand slam. But just how good is this Houston team to you? Really good. I mean, really good. And and this is even before they, they added... Uh, Granky and Sanchez at the trade deadline. I mean, th- this lineup, man, you, you know, and, and, and even guys like Yuli Gurriel, you know, who was sort of an afterthought for the first three months compared to the rest of this lineup, then suddenly puts together a, a July, uh, a historic July, and starts hitting the ball out of the yard every other day. You know, they got Korea back healthy, uh, Brantley an all-star this year, and, and Bregman and Altuve. I mean, it's it's the, the lineup is silly, and, and that's before you even start talking about Verlander and Cole, who I guess the A's catch a bit of a break maybe with Cole out this weekend with a hamstring. But uh, now you add Zach Greinke, it's, it's, a, it's a team that is primed and ready for the playoffs. Well, you, you mentioned Cole and Jim Bowden, who joined us on A's Cast Live yesterday, and we were talking about Garrett Cole yesterday, and I guess it's good news is he was scratched from a start, was supposed to make the start Tuesday in the second game of that doubleheader because of the rainout in Chicago. Chris Davinsky made the start in his place, and he was scratched because of a hamstring injury that he went and got an evaluation on. And I guess the news was positive in terms of they don't expect Garrett Cole to be out long, and he may return next week is what A.J. Hinch told Jim Bowden earlier today. But – you look at the rotation that they have, and with Cole, Verlander, who the A's will see tomorrow night, Granke will go on Sunday. We don't know who's going to go Saturday for Houston. But those three aces together, then you throw in. I mean, Aaron Sanchez had his struggles in Toronto this year. His first two starts with the Astros, he's been tremendous. He's 2-0 and with a .82 ERA. It's, and then Wade Miley's pitched well for them this year. Sanchez is is fascinating because he actually still leads the league in losses, I believe, and the overall body of work is brutal. He's five and fourteen with an ERA of five six zero. But you mentioned the two starts since coming over to Houston, and we've seen this before. The Astros have been very good to starting pitchers. Wade Miley is a perfect example, mm-hmm. sort of a reclamation project, and you know. Aaron Sanchez as your number two guy in Toronto, that's a problem. Aaron Sanchez as your number five guy, that's okay. And in this rotation, and the way Cole has pitched this year, and again, the A's are catching a break, won't see him in this series. 
But the starting pitching that they have, and look, Garrett Cole is going to be a free agent after this season, and the anticipation is he will not go back to Houston. And, and speaking of Jim Bowden again, he put out an article in The Athletic yesterday with tabbing Cole as the number one free agent available in the offseason. In a likelihood, he thinks the destination could be the Angels for him. He's from the Orange County. He went to UCLA, so it makes a lot of sense. And Artie Moreno may be committed considering, okay, the commitment to Trout, Pools, money starts to decline a little bit. And they're going to certainly have a need for a lead starter, which Garrett Cole can be for them. But it is remarkable. And to play in that bandbox that is Minute Maid Park, especially when you have the Crawford boxes as close as they are in left and the short porch and right, and to pitch as well as he has. And look, we'd seen flashes of it, and he had some good years in Pittsburgh, but he didn't have this consistency. And when he got to Houston, all of a sudden now, and I don't know if it's Brent Strump, whatever it is, it's working right now for him with the Astros. No, I mean, it's as potent a one-two punch as you're going to find. And you could talk about, you know, Kershaw and, and Walker Bueller in L.A. And then there are certainly other teams that have that great one-two. But I mean, you put Verlander and Cole up against anybody. And I tell you what, he, he's he's adding to the uh, the, the fury of Pirate fans at, over Neil Huntington in, in terms of pitchers that have been traded away before they got great, right? And, and Tyler Glasnow has been out most of the year. But look at what he was doing the first part of the year in Tampa Bay. He was lights out, too. And, and they make the move to Chris Archer and that hasn't and worked that out hasn't great. worked out at all so uh, you know whatever's going on here in Houston it's working and Garrett Cole has been a a breakthrough player over the last couple of years and he still has upside I mean he's still getting better and you mentioned this lineup but it was already a deep lineup and then insert Jordan Alvarez like two months ago right it's not it fair. is ridiculous <laughs> right? what he is I mean, doing come on I mean he is gonna I, he could run away with rookie of the year but it is insane what he's doing 339 17 home runs 52 batted in in 49 games and you want to know why GMs are reluctant to part with their big-time prospects that's it right this is an example yeah. now the Dodgers made a move to get Josh Fields back in 2016 for this little-known hitter from the Dominican Republic and Jordan Alvarez, they, they got him for Josh Fields. And Jordan Alvarez is, like, he probably doesn't have a position. Defensively, he, he's not really a first baseman, and he's not a corner out. He's a DH. So he's a DH, but he's going to be a DH for a long time. And that's part of the reason the Dodgers traded him. But, uh, you, know, but you look at what he's done, and then you look at this kid, Aristides Aquino in Cincinnati, who now has, I believe, the major league record for home runs in his first 14 major league games, right? He's got 10 dingers already. And it's, yes, it's emblematic of the baseball and the home runs and everything else, but man, it's fun watching these kids come up. And, and you know, these two, I don't know if you saw the note last week, they both hit three homers on the same day, and it was the first time in the history of baseball that two rookies have had three homer games on the same day. And oh, by the way, they both wear 44. Jordan Alvarez has the highest OPS of any player entering their 50th game in the history of Major League Baseball. <laughs> so that's good, right? His OPS is ahead of, and the previous record was held by Willie McCovey and Albert Pujols. 
and Jordan Alvarez has surpassed them through 50 games, an OPS of well over 1,000. 1,113 is the OPS. Alvarez has become one of eight hitters in Major League history to go deep as many as 17 times in their first 50 games with one game to go before he reaches that milestone. Tonight's game 50. 52 RBIs, the fourth most through 50 games, behind Rookie of the Year in 1950, Walt Droppo, Joe DiMaggio, and Ted Williams. Look who's going to grace us with his presence. <laughs> hey, he's fanning us with hey, the towels. We're not so we'll the take, only we'll one that's that. smart enough to come up with towels, Mr. Blum. <laughs> Jeff Blum joins us next here on Ace Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, A's Cast Live continues. On a warm Thursday afternoon here in the town. Come on. Hey, Try me a river. Was, you see, now that you're a full-blown Texan, you're, we're soft, man. You've adapted. I'm soft. No, you should be. You guys I, are spoiled no out here. When you get we this 80-degree weather, you guys fall out, man. Hey, it's 90. <laughs> 90. For now. I was going to say, with, with what her... What, about 45% humidity? Again, uh, this is why we live here. No, and that's why you, you pay that hey, luxury tax. Look what you turned your back on. Luxury. Hey, if I had the opportunity out here, you know I'd be here. Jeff Blum with us, the Astros analyst on television, longtime major leaguer, White Sox World Series hero, yep. in addition to a three-year starter at the University of California and a member of the Eric. 1992 College World Series team. Here it yeah, comes. you better believe it. And who was calling those games back in uh, those days? That would be yours truly. Yep, believe yep. it. The strong connection. Yes, the we go back. The Cal connection. So two right, Cal I, Bears and one Stanford I didn't, I didn't want to have to do this. Look, oh, really? We are going to have to roll you up right now. <laughs> do I need to call the skipper over here? Do I get Bob Melvin to take care yeah, of this? Where's, where's Piscotti? Where's Piscotti? And I, I, I know I need, Canna would love to I need get backup. on this, too. Yes. Uh, Canna's got a sore hand. He's With not Scott Reese, Roxy Bernstein, joined by Jeff Blum here on A's Cast Live. What's going on, man? Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Just living the dream. It's been a bit of an issue with the Houston Astros over the last couple of ball games, but uh, tough road trip ends with a nice interdivision rivalry with the Oakland A's. So I, I, the guys are looking forward to being out here. I know that. We got into this, and you're the perfect guy to ask this question of, why is this team so good? Why are the Astros so good? Well, payroll number one. You're, you're paying for what you're getting. So you've got the Verlanders and Coles already in your rotation. Wade Miley was a solid pickup. He was kind of that changeup, you know, pardon the pun, within the uh, rotation. They scuffled a little bit with their four or five uh, guys in the rotation. And now you add Zach Greinke to that, Aaron Sanchez to that. You've got one great start out of Sanchez. A couple of decent starts from Zach Greinke, but I think they're starting to feel themselves out a little bit as far as how they're going to mix into this organization as far as Sanchez and Greinke are concerned. Just because they came from two organizations that aren't hyper-analytical or hyper-track-man-driven you know, track man driven as far as how the delivery works and things like that. So these guys are going to start adapting to that. And your offense, my gosh, do you realize that the player of the month, Yuli Gurriel, is now hitting in the seventh spot in this lineup? Yeah. <laughs> so when you talk about depth or you go into your scouting, you know, I always make fun of it because before every series you'll go into the meetings and, your starter sits down with your pitching coach and goes, okay, here's the opponent's lineup. <laughs> okay, so we got Springer, Altuve, Bregman, Brantley, Alvarez, Correa, Gurriel. And that you've rattled off seven guys before you've even thought about who you're going to try and get out. You've got to be so good for seven guys before you get to maybe a Torino's and a Redick where you've still got to be pretty careful because if you make a mistake, those guys can hit. 
You talk about Alvarez, and, and we were just having the conversation prior to the last break, uh, what a, a phenomenon he has been. What's it been like watching this guy internally just step up to the major league level and simply dominate big league pitching? It's not supposed to be this easy. No, it's not. And between the three of us, we've seen and called plenty of baseball games, and we've seen a lot of prospect titles put on guys, and then you see him perform in AAA, and you say, okay, this guy's going to have an opportunity. And then he gets the opportunity here in the big league, scuffles a little bit, gets sent back down, and then he tries to figure it out, comes back. My gosh, if this guy sure. hasn't made the transition, he, squipped, he skipped quadruple A. Sure. He has gone straight <laughs> to the big leagues. And I think he, it's almost as if he's playing to try and get to the next level, and there is no next level. And so for me with Jordan, obviously the power is there. Uh, he's not going to go out there and play a lot of defense. He can run a little bit. But the biggest thing for me has been the strike zone discipline that they're teaching with the Houston Astros. I don't understand it. I don't know how they do that or develop that because those guys are that good. They're very similar to those young Robbie Grossmans in the world <laughs> who, who come up and have a good idea and are patient at the plate, won't chase, and once they get a pitch inside the zone, oh, my gosh, this guy can absolutely put a barrel on a baseball and drive it about 470 every time. Robbie Grossman did just walk by. That just wasn't <laughs> was a not reference by Jeff <laughs> Right. Let me, let me ask you this. I mean, you played the middle of the diamond. You were an infielder. But if you were pitching to the Houston Astros, what would you do? You know, it, it's got to go guy to guy. And, yeah, you, <laughs> Reese just put up the Alex Brakeman. Yeah. You know, when, when he hits a home run, he comes up in front of our cameras and puts that four, you know, should have walked me kind of attitude about it. So, I mean, these guys have a little bit of swag, swagger to what they're going out there doing. But, I mean, you got to take your pick with each guy. You know, do you stay away from George Springer on the outside corner? He gets extended. He'll drive the ball the other way. And then do you try and tie him up? It's almost if you have to go A-B to A-B on what you're trying to do to set these guys up because they're in tune with what you've done, and then they're trying to figure out what you're doing at the time from at bat to at bat. But if you make a, don't make a mistake, it's probably the biggest thing. Um, not giving away too much. I think Jordan Alvarez does have some issues at the top part of the zone with velocity catching up to it but that's just you know he's a big guy long arms tough to catch up to some of that stuff um Correa don't pitch to him right now Altuve my gosh the dude hits stuff off the ground to his forehead you know so he covers he might a lot be of the best <laughs> bad ball hitter I've ever seen well yeah, between he, the ground and the forehead isn't that much I was going to say all of five foot <laughs> right. well I'll yeah. say five foot six just yeah. to save him and that's yeah. what the media guy says it might be a little bit less but yeah he's he's a smaller version of what we saw in Vladimir Guerrero minus maybe the consistent pop so let's talk about the Stanford guy now, right? It's yeah. not always easy to manage or coach a team of superstars, right? Yes. A.J. Hinch has been so flawless. I don't want to say flawless, but, but seamless. You can say way, that up until now. In, You're in, right. the way, in the way that he's sort of taken this team to the level, the elite level in Major League Baseball. I'm just curious from the inside perspective, you know, how has A.J. been able to do such a, a masterful job managing all these guys? Well, it, it, we'll go back to that satellite school in Palo Alto where he, he got his degree <laughs> the junior from. university. Yeah. And, you know, to his credit, I don't know if he was planning ahead or if he had ambitions of being a manager, but I think what's – and Bob Melvin, you know, these guys are, are people, you know, they're, they're good with people. They're good with – understanding how to communicate with others they can adapt to certain situations and personalities and while AJ was at Stanford he got a psychology degree and I don't know what he was planning on doing with that but I think that's probably <laughs> been the biggest asset for him it's probably the easiest route to a degree that's why he took it <laughs> yeah, yeah you, it's pretty openly interpreted <laughs> on, on, on how you're going to write those theses 
But uh, it, it's really done him well because one of the things I asked him, I go, you know, what did you learn from Arizona? How does it translate to where you are here with the Houston Astros now? And the game has changed. You know, the manager's role has changed quite a bit. Instead of being that dictatorship or that authoritarian that's just kind of pounding on guys, play hard, do it my way. He's understood how to take each guy individually. And he said this. He has taken each guy individually, understands how to motivate them, understands when they need the days off, understands when they need that arm around them, and he also understands when they need to, you know, put a shoe in their ass and motivate them a little bit. But he doesn't do it as a whole. He really takes a lot of pride in taking these guys individually and finding a way to, you know, whether it be financially or whether it be, you know, legacy or whether it be numbers on the back of your baseball card. He knows how to push these guys, but he has – you could say flawlessly up to this point on how he's handled this guy, but it's also a culture he's created in winning. And that's the hardest part, too, is having these guys win in 2017 and still be hungry at such a young age. Yeah. Jeff Lum with us here on A's Cast Live. A's and Astros opening up a four-game series. Aaron Sanchez makes a start tonight. He's made two starts. It's coming over from the Blue Jays. He had a miserable start to the year at Toronto. Ooh. He's made two really good starts since coming over. What have you seen with Aaron Sanchez? Well, you talk about bursting onto the scene for a ball club. How about going out six no-hit innings yep. when, he, when they eventually took him out? Uh, I think the biggest thing in the past for Aaron Sanchez is trying to live up to, I think it was that 2015-16 season when he won the ERA title. And everything you heard about uh, Aaron Sanchez was bowling ball sinker, great curveball. And all of a sudden you start saying things like that within the Astros organization, and we all go, Charlie Morton. Mm -hmm. Charlie Morton was a guy who all of a sudden was a sinker baller, turned to the four seam, got it up in the zone, created the spin, and started striking guys out all of a sudden. So I think that's kind of the project that Aaron Sanchez has turned into. How do we turn him into that next Charlie Morton-type guy who's moved on to Tampa Bay and done a phenomenal job with them? But it, he has not thrown the two-seam fastball. That's something that he kind of prided himself on younger and as a Toronto Blue Jays. So watch his four-seam tonight. He's had a good curveball. The changeup has actually been a really good pitch for him too. But it's just adapting to a new philosophy, and it's not necessarily – you know, mechanics or ideology with the Astros bring. It's just maybe a shift in pitch usage, getting on the four-seamer, raising it every once in a while because he still has great arm side run. You know, the Astros are one of the elite teams in baseball, and I think everybody respects that. They've won a championship. They're obviously a, a strong contender this season. Uh, you, you look at the head-to-head, -head and you look at where the A's are vis-a-vis -vis the Astros, right? The A's are nine and a half back in the division, and seven of those games are head-to-head, -head, right? The two-and-nine yep. record. You don't have to be a, a, a math major at <laughs> Cal or Stanford to figure that out. I know how everybody here views the Astros. No. No. God, no. <laughs> no. How, how are the A's viewed by uh, uh, you know the, the the Goliath in the division, I'm curious about that. Well, for me, they're a threat, and I mean it has a lot to do with playing against them over the years, and then it has a lot to do with sitting in the booth for the last seven years and watching what they do over the years. And I don't know how it's come about or why, but once you get past the All Star break, all of a sudden you kind of check your <laughs> rearview mirror and you go, "Hey, man, what are the Athletics doing?" And they don't lose. I don't know how they've done it, but they've you know both. Bo Mel, to his credit, has created that culture, too, where we're going to finish strong, and that's what these guys do. Uh, they're young, talented, athletic, hungry, maybe a little bit of ang anger in there, too, which is kind of nice to see because they play the game hard every single day. But uh, they're going to swing the bats. They're going to thump you. 
And yeah, there's somebody that you look at in your rearview mirror and you kind of you kind of wonder, you know, are they ever going to fade? And it puts a lot of pressure on a team like the Astros, even with the nine and a half game lead, you know that you can't just sit back, you know, downshift and, and put it in cruise control because if you do that, these guys are going to creep up on you and all of a sudden they're going to be two and a half, three games behind you. Like last year. Like last year and you're going to have to play them down the stretch but fortunately for the Astros, they played them well in the head-to-head matchup and I, I agree with you, Reese, it's got to be it's got to, there's got to be a point where the athletics figure it out and find a way to beat the Astros because until they do then it's going to be wild card talk. And that's why this series is so critical, especially from the A's perspective, because if yeah. they're going to make a, a surge, it's got to happen here in this four-game series because, I mean, even if you win three out of four, you're still seven and a half back. And I'm not saying you got to think about a four-game sweep. Month and a half left, yep. But yeah. you really have to make some noise in this series if that's going to happen. Yeah, because, I mean, if you're at the Oakland A's, you want to come in, obviously there's a statement games for them. Like you're saying, if you win three out of four, four out of four, if you're able to accomplish a sweep here in Oakland, imagine what that, the message it sends, not just to the rest of the division or the league or whoever you're chasing in the wild card, how about the message it sends across the way to that other uh, clubhouse? Yeah. And that's probably what the A's are trying to do mostly. Uh, we heard Garrett Cole will not pitch in this series. Uh, sounds like a relatively minor hamstring injury. Uh, how much of this is simply erring on the side of caution because you do have a nine-and-a-half game lead in the division? Yeah, there is a lot of caution, especially when you when you talk about Garrett Cole because he's a guy that you need going into the postseason. It's great to put up all the numbers going into the free agent year like he is, but at the same time, you've got to be able to protect the situation long-term, and the long-term is the playoffs for the Houston Astros. And when we were in... It's amazing how taking a guy like Garrett Cole out of out of a out of just one start, the way the wave of of discomfort that went through that that dugout on up into the booth, even wow. for us, because huh. from up top, you know, we're getting ready for the game, we do our open, we're pumping Garrett Cole, here we go, and all of a sudden we see him walking out, and he throws a couple of pitches and comes back in, and all of a sudden, the, you know, the fire alarm goes off, and you're like, what is going on? And you find out it's a little bit of a twinge in that hamstring. Hamstrings have been a pain for the Houston Astros overall. But him coming back, I think beat, maybe beating it and finding it, out too, finding it out early enough to be able to back off that thing and make sure it's healthy before his next start. And everything I'm hearing is saying that he's going to be able to make the next start. It's just a matter of when. So hopefully that's just a crisis averted and a, you know maybe erring on the side of caution. Astros broadcaster Jeff Blum with us. And Blummer, take us back to the trade deadline. And it's creeping up until 1 o'clock Pacific, 3 o'clock Central. And then all of a sudden, like 10, 15 minutes before the deadline, Ken Rosenthal drops the bombshell. The Astros <laughs> have picked up Zach Granke. What were you thinking? Well, at the moment, because the trade deadline came and went, right. and you talk about an embarrassment of riches where you're sitting there going, we want more, we're greedy, give us more, <laughs> we want somebody. Because we know how good the minor league system is for the Houston Astros with all the prospects. They have the ability to go out there and say, we're going to go get a big-time guy and give, give some prospects up to get it. When the deadline passed and it was just crickets, you could kind of feel like, yeah, we're good, we're on the same page as the Dodgers and Yankees. And then all of a sudden you kind of went, wouldn't it have been nice if we could have? And then five minutes later, like you said, that Ken Rosenthal tweet came out. I was walking into the clubhouse in Cleveland. All of a sudden the media director kind of pushes us out and goes, hey, we're going to have a team meeting. And we were thinking, okay, these guys are going to find a way to get mentally prepared for what the, for the Aaron Sanchez, be a genie guys to come into the clubhouse. And we're checking Twitter, and all of a sudden, my gosh, Zach Granke is on the sheet. And instead of playing how much fun is it, is, is it to drive out the lineup, how much fun is it, where are you going to put Zach Granke in that rotation? 
Nice problem to have. Uh, yeah. it, it is, and it's, it's crazy, and it's a credit to Jeff Luno. He kept uh, Forrest Whitley, their highly touted uh, pitching prospect. They kept uh, Kyle Tucker, who's having a great year in AAA, might actually be here by the end of the, before the end of the year. And then, you know, you trade some of those prospects away. They did a very good job, but Jim Crane is really the guy that's pulling the, pulling the trigger and saying, yeah, let's go. On your way out. You know they have a statue of him in Chicago. Oh, man. You know that? I did not know out that. Out in front I'm of what's guaranteed rate field where he is a World Series hero, there is a statue of Jeff Blum out in front of the uh, ballpark. I'm going to be in Chicago okay. next week. I want a picture from the. I want a picture uh, I, of it and tweet it out uh, saying well, you yes. were there next to Jeff well, Blum. Well, no, but I'm going to put a Stanford cap on and take a uh, picture oh, is what I'm going to do and send it to you. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's only fitting. It's only fitting, yeah. Good to see him. Always good seeing you, Roxy, man. Appreciate the time, dude. Jeff Blum joining us here at A's Cast Live. Matt Williams joins us next from Ricky Anderson Field. A's and Astros tonight. You got it on A's Cast. New year, new perks, same great value. The most flexible membership program in sports is back with even more benefits. 50% off concessions, $10 prepaid parking, 25% off merchandise, and increased access to the ballpark. Become a member today and unlock your access benefits for the remainder of the 2019 season. In addition to all of 2020, sign up today by visiting athletics.com slash access. Athletics.com slash access. This is Chris Townsend, and if you're looking for a new mattress, look no further than nestbedding.com. You'll get the ultimate mattress. And Green and Gold fans, right now, they have a special A's fan discount. Use the coupon code ATHLETICS. That's coupon code ATHLETICS, and you get 10% off your entire purchase. That's right, nestbedding.com, America's favorite online mattress brand with stores around the Bay Area and around the country. You need a new mattress? You go to nestbedding.com. Now back to A's Cast Live. It's a warm one, but it's not too hot. Warm afternoon. It's going to turn into a beautiful evening here at the Coliseum as the A's open up a huge series with the Astros. A's Cast Live from Ricky Henderson Field with Scott Reese. Roxy Bernstein with you. Our thanks to Jeff Blum, who just joined us. Now we're joined by A's third base coach Matt Williams. And this is nice, man. This is This is good weather. Yeah, 75 by game time? Yeah, it's perfect. When in the last year have we had 75 at game time at 7 o'clock? Very few and far between. We'll take it. (laughs) When in the last year have you had 80 at game time in San Francisco? True. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Certainly not the San Francisco that you played in. (laughs) No, far cry from Candlestick, that's for sure. Hey, uh, last week I want to ask you this before we get into this team. Uh, the Giants announced they're going to retire Will Clark's jersey. You played with him. What were your thoughts when, when you heard that? I think it's great. You know, for, for his era, he was the epitome of being a giant, right? He was, he's the guy we wanted up there against Mitch Williams with a game on the line, right? So, I mean, that's, it's fitting. I, you know, you look at number of retirements and teams do it all the time. Um, Will's been a part of the organization. He, he played in other places, but he, but he came back and he's been part of it for a long, long time now. So good for him. You know, I'm sure you've been asked this a million times since you came over here, but coming off the Bay Bridge series, it seems timely. You know, the rivalry, you've gotten to experience it from both sides now. How different is the rivalry from this side of the Bay versus, you know, the way people looked at it over there? Well, each team has its diehard fans. Yeah, I'm a product of Candlestick Park with 8,000 folks there, right? (laughs) But they were diehard. And we have the, it's the same feeling here, right? So our, our fans come out and and they're here every single day, and they put the signs up in the outfield, and, and they want us to win. So it's a nice, you know, from a player's perspective, it's different leagues. Um, it's a nice friendly rivalry, but the fans get behind it, and it's refreshing. It's nice to see. 
You mentioned in, you know, Will Clark went on, played with the Orioles and the Rangers, but you look at him as a Giant. I think most people do is with the Cardinals as well. For you, you broke in, spent a lot of your career with the Giants, also a few other stops. Uh, I know you're an athletic now, but where do, when you think back to your playing days, which the first team you think of? Well, the Giants. I spent the most time there. They gave me the opportunity initially, uh, stuck with me when it wasn't going so well uh, in the early days. And I spent 10 years there. So, you know, it's, it's, a different, it's a different thing now. It's not old candlestick, and it's not the same group necessarily. But, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the team you play the longest for is the one you identify with the majority of the time, and your first team is generally the team that you identify with. So during your playing days, one of the elite third basemen in baseball, right, offensively, defensively, now you come over here, and you got a guy who fits that mold uh, pretty well in Matt Chapman. Maybe you can uh, describe your relationship with Matty and, and have you mentored him and as, as he has grown from uh, a pretty good player when he came into the league to an outstanding player and an all-star now. Yeah, I think and I think the ceiling is he hasn't even reached it yet. And, you know, it's hard to say because he makes the outstanding play. He's as good as anybody in the game at, at defense at third base. I think there's growth for him offensively, certainly, and, uh, and he's taken the steps necessary to get there. Um, we, you know, we think about him and we say, oh, well, you know, he's, he's a stalwart in the lineup and at third base. This is his second full year. And so he's got a long way to go. So I think, the, you know, like I said, the ceiling's up there and he can go as far as he wants to go. And I think he's, he's working every day to accomplish that. You played some shortstop when you came yeah. up, but we're entrenched at third base in the hot corner and you were one of the best third basemen in the game when you were playing. And look, if Matt Chapman needed to play short, he very well could. Oh, but yeah. He's anchored at third base. When you watch him play, do you see some of yourself in, oh, he's, in Chapman? He's much better than I ever was or ever dreamed to be. I mean, the, the athleticism that he possesses, possesses over here is unmatched. Um, you know, from, a, from an infielder's perspective, it's always important uh, as a coach and, and as a fielder to have your glove be independent of your body. So if your body's in a bad position, you can still catch the baseball, right? He epitomizes that. It's a one-handed position. He plays it so well. The arm strength is unmatched in our league anyway. Um, you know, lots of questions about him or Arenado. Um, I think this year especially, we haven't seen the, you know, the whoops error where he just error mills one to first base. So I think he's getting better and better defensively as well. I just, man. We it, should it, ask their high school coach. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> one, that's one of the great stories in baseball, right? Yeah, they did a pretty good job, didn't teammates. he? And Austin yeah. Romine was on that team Austin also. Romine too, yeah. yeah, pretty good, pretty good coach. Do you ever think back to the, the strike year about the, the, the role that you were on until the strike hit? Because you could have broken the record. You were on pace to do it. Yeah, I don't. I get the question every once in a while, but mm -hmm. we never got there. And it, it was one of those years I had like 12 doubles. It was <laughs> stupid. Right, and so every ball that I got, that I that I hit, just got elevated enough, and we ended the season at Wrigley Field, and the wind blew out like a gale for three straight days, and put a couple in the basket, and it was one of those years. I never got close again, so you know, think back on it, um, yeah, on occasion, but it it's not what I played for, and it's it's certainly, uh, you know, you, you don't chase. I didn't chase records. I just wanted to win, and so you know, if I was able to do that for my club, I was happy. That said, how many homers would you hit in a season with these baseballs? <laughs> Boy, they're, they're lively, aren't they? Do they, they are, feel they, different to you? They, well, uh, well, I throw batting practice right. every day. They, they feel they're tighter, I, right? They just feel hard <laughs> to me, mm -hmm. right? They feel 
they feel like they're they're a little harder than normal. I again, they, they've done all the testing. They've they've done, they've said everything that they need to say about the subject. But boy, it's lively. Well, but it continues to be a hot button topic around baseball with the media, the fans, and I know internally. Yeah. Do you like it? I mean, do you like the game where it is right now with guys who are going to be hitting you know 45, 50, 55 homers without blinking? Well, it, you know, it's 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 good for them. Yeah. It's good for your club if you're doing that. We have a club that kind of is built that way, yeah. right? So we, if we if we put guys on base and somebody clicks one, we're, you, we're a three-run homer waiting to happen. In reality, though, when you get deep in September and you get to October, the, the base hit with a guy in second base is going to win you a championship. So, yeah, homers are great, but manufacturing is great too. And so, you know, that that's what we concentrate on. We concentrate on, on, on moving the guy if we have to, getting him in from third with less than two, things like that. Matt Williams with us here on A's Cast Live as the A's and Astros tonight here at the Coliseum. And you got to manage Tanner Roark, comes in. Did anybody reach out to you, whether right before the trade went down, just to pick your brain about the personality coming into the clubhouse? Uh, well, I talked to Emo and I talked to Bob about him. Um, unfortunately for Tanner, his first year when I was there, um, he won 15, 16 games for us and was arguably our best starter. And then we went out and got Max Scherzer, and <laughs> he had to go to the bullpen because it, it, you know, it's a it's a bad luxury to have when you have too many starting pitchers. But he handled it fine. And then after after that season, he got a chance to get back in the rotation. Um, but he, you know, he's gonna he's got subtle movement. It's late movement. He's not gonna blow the radar gun up by any stretch. But he's gonna give you a chance to win every time he goes out, and that's all we can ask. You guys are in a stretch now where I think you've alternated wins and losses for like nine games in a row, yeah. and, and that's unusual for the A's this time of year. It seems like you guys are kind of peaking in August and September. What's the next step? Where are you right now? What, what do you need to do to get that consistency back? Well, I think we're, I think we're okay. Um, you know, I, I think that this test is going to be tough. Yeah. I mean, this is a tough homestand for us. So uh, we've, got, we've got to do the little things correctly to beat this club, to beat the next club, and then, of course, the Giants coming back in here. So... If we can play good defense, our starting pitching has been really good. They're, they're keeping us in games, and the opportune hits and and uh, an occasional ball out of the ballpark will take. Um, but we're going to have to play well to beat these guys. I know it's only one game as Corbin Joseph came up, made his A's debut yesterday, but what, what did you see from him in his first game with the A's? Well, I liked his approach. Uh, you know, his first at bat, he battled, fouled some pitches off. Bob put a, a runner in motion on 3-2, and he, he did the simple thing, hitting the ground ball. We got the guy to second base. Um got a base hit through the middle and then on a 3-0 count he didn't try to do too much hit the ball to center field and scored the guy from third so you know I, I think he's he's had a fantastic season he's comfortable um, he likes where his swing is right now so you know from one game he did all the little things that you would expect somebody to do uh, and got a base hit and an RBI on top of it so pretty good game you know, you guys have such a unique clubhouse in yeah. Major League Baseball, so I'm always curious about sort of the internal musings when you got a homestand and you got the Astros and Yankees coming in. Is there a different vibe in the clubhouse, or is it just same old, same old? No, these guys don't change. Yeah. It doesn't matter who we're playing. They come with the attitude that today's win day, and, uh, and they can beat anybody. They've, they've proven that, that, you know, that, that you know, with, with nobody expecting it to happen, it can happen. And, you know, we as a coaching staff always say, you know, don't let them believe. Because if you let them believe, they just might do something special. So it doesn't change. They're the same guys every single day. Last thing for you in your way out, we were talking about Chapman before, and he was in the throes of a deep slump. And maybe the, the single in the ninth inning on Tuesday night could turn things around. He had two homers yesterday. And 
he didn't think he was that far off. He right. thought, okay, I'm missing here, missing there, but I'm close. Do you see now that he's showing signs that he's going to break out of it, that he's going to return to the Matt Chapman we're used to seeing? Yeah, he made a subtle adjustment with his hands, took his hands a little bit higher so he can feel like he's down on the baseball a little bit. The ball he hit center field yesterday is, is an example the of first that. First inning. Yeah, and then got the hanging slider. was a little bit out front, but because his path was right, he was able to hit the ball to left center field over the fence too. So it's the adjustments that you make, right? You know, you get he plays every single day. When you play like he plays, sometimes you get a little bit tired. The legs get a little bit tired. You start to bend over. Your path is different, and you have to work yourself out of it. So if yesterday was any indication, I think he's right on track. Matt, thanks for the time. Yeah, Appreciate you got it, it, guys. Thank you. Matt Williams, A's third base coach, joining us here at Cast Live at Ricky Henderson Field at the Coliseum. As the A's and Astros tonight, Mike fires for the Athletics. Aaron Sanchez for the first place Houston Astros. We'll continue from Ricky Henderson Field coming up in a bit. Tanner Roark will join us, but we'll dive into this matchup tonight. The A's and the Astros. And we just saw the A's across the bay. Matt Chapman had some interesting comments post-game about maybe moving the fences in and what he thought. Should they move the fences in? We'll talk about that next year in A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Hour two, A's Cast Live from the Coliseum and Ricky Henderson Field on a gorgeous Thursday night. Get on out here to the yard. For some great baseball tonight, Mike Fires for the A's, Aaron Sanchez for the Astros, opening a crucial four-game series for the Green and Gold, along with Scott Reese, Roxy Bernstein with you. Thanks to Jeff Blum and to Matt Williams to join us in hour one. Tanner Roark will join us shortly here from the field. This is like a reunion of sorts in Bay Area game day that we did way back in the day. <laughs> I know, right? Cody Crazy. produced. Crazy. You know, our college football show that was on that station that will not be named. And you know what everybody listening is thinking? What the heck is Bay Area game day? It was a wonderful college football show. You, me, Mike McLaughlin, Drew, Drew Olson, Olson yeah. on a station that will go nameless here on A's Cast Live. <laughs> um, we teased it before, and, and look, Matt Chapman hit two home runs yesterday over at Oracle Park in the A's 9-5 to win. The A's hit three out yesterday, and there's been all this discussion about San Francisco. And should the fences be moved in at Oracle Park? And if you believe what the rumors you're hearing and people you talk to, that is indeed going to happen next season and could be an adjustment to Oracle Park. And Matt Chapman weighed in after the ball game yesterday and gave his feelings about the fences. I think this is the hardest place to hit in the big leagues. And then I think Oakland's second. <laughs> so if you're hitting in home runs in the Bay Area, you, you definitely got to get them because they're both pitchers' ballparks by far. It does help during the daytime, though, right? You have to pick it whether it's in the days. Yeah, I, I would say it helps in the daytime for sure, but I still think even in day games, it, you know, it plays bigger than any other field in the big leagues and, and night games. Uh, so, I mean, 
hitting home runs in Oakland and San Francisco is not easy. I think they should, and I think they should move Oakland's fences in too. <laughs> so that's Matt Chapman yesterday talking after the ball game after he hit two out of the hardest ballpark in Major League Baseball to hit home runs in. As Oracle Park is 30th in MLB in ballparks allowing home runs, it gives up .67 home runs per game. We should note, and I'm not arguing the point that Oracle Park is a pitcher's park and that it is not easy to hit home runs in that ballpark, but let's also consider the team that is playing there for its home games. The Giants are not exactly uh, laden with power. You mean it's not the 27 uh, Yankees? I, I'm, not saying, I'm saying, and I'm a big Kevin Pillar fan. I think he's a great ball player and he's a great dude. But when he's leading your team in homers and RBIs, perhaps you're not built to be a power-hitting ball club. And I think the team has a lot to do with that. Now, the Coliseum, in case where, where does the Coliseum fit in? Coliseum ranks 23rd in Major League Baseball at .841 home runs per game. The A's have hit 92 here at the Coliseum, which is 10th most for a team in their home ballpark. So now on a, a night like tonight, I think it could play a little bit smaller because of the weather, and we see it's frequently during the daytime that home runs are hit. L let me start with the first part and Oracle Park and the Giants contemplating in all likelihood they are going to move the fences in. I think they're dumb. I think they're stupid. I really do because, if I'm not mistaken, They've won three World Series playing in that ballpark the way it's constructed. And 10, 12, and 14, they won the World Series. Why are you changing? Why? Because home runs have become fashionable and because they can't hit them. And okay, maybe they can't attract power hitters on the free agent market, and they've been turned down. If you go back to El Caballo, remember Carlos Lee turned them down? So what? Bryce Develop home run hitters. Bryce Harper? Develop them. They, they don't develop hitters. And are they, Okay, Posey and – but Belt, eh, Crawford, eh, Joe Panic. Eh. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, but those – I mean, those are the guys they've developed. Develop home run hitters. You know what? Develop a team that goes to your strength. And that's what the A's have clearly done with this ballpark. And that's what the Giants did. And I, I think they're dumb for doing – wanting to change their ballpark. You don't customize a park to fit the roster. Customize the roster to fit the park, right? Yes. It makes much more yes. sense. And the Giants won three World Series, not by hitting the ball out of the ballpark. They won it because the pitching, especially the rotation, well, the bullpen, too, were off the charts great, and because they were exemplary at finding the Pat Burrells and the Cody Rosses and the Travis Ishikawas and those role players. They've got big hits in big situations, and they won a lot of 3-2 games, and they carried that to three World Series titles. It, the, the funny part is, you know, you talk about changing that ballpark and moving in the fences. For whom, right? Who on that roster are you catering to right now? How, how is that going to help? You mean they're not doing it for Brandon Bell? I, seriously, right? I mean, th this is, you know, one of the, the least threatening power teams in Major League Baseball. And so the oh, other team gets to hit there too. The, the, I was just going to well, throw that out there. Well, and not only that, but but consider this: right now, you got a situation where maybe hitters don't want to come to San Francisco's because of the dimensions. All right, so move the fences in twenty feet. Then what happens? Oh, free agent pitchers, you want to come? Here, yeah, right? it's the other side of the coin, right? So it, it really, I think it's nonsensical. I do think it's going to happen, it, but no I think it's, I think it's reactionary, and I think it's short-sighted. I have been told, and I'm not going to sell out my sources, but sources close to me. 
tell me that they will triples alley will not be triples alley Mm-mm. anymore. They're gonna there's an angle singles, singles alley. Yeah, maybe doubles alley. Yeah. And the bullpens are gonna go out in center fields. So they're gonna take them out of the <laughs> field of play. They're gonna go under the scoreboard out there. But they're gonna change the ballpark and the dynamics of it. And its quirkiness is part of the charm of Oracle Park. And and again, they've won three World Series in recent times playing in that stadium. And look, Madison Bumgarner's a free agent. I think they want to bring him back. It it spoke volumes to me that they didn't move him at the deadline. And not just because, look, I know the math says they're in the wild card race. They're not. No, but you had to treat it as if they were when they were two and a half back on July 31st. Yeah. So, but you didn't necessarily have to. The Diamondbacks didn't no. do it. They got They sold. And they had... If you look at the run differential, it's a joke what the, the Giants' run differential was. Yeah, the Diamondbacks had a much better. Yeah. They were a plus, and they sold. They got rid of Zach Granke, and they realized that it's in our best interest to sell. The Giants didn't look at it that way. And now I think they're going to set their roster retooling back a little bit uh, I, I look by and, not making those and, moves. And, and clearly this is not a Giants discussion, uh, you know, but, but – I, I, they, I think they set themselves back substantially. I understand why he did it. I understand you can't go trading Madison Bumgarner when you're two and a half out in the wild card, but I think they set themselves whoops, set themselves back uh, substantially. One of the newcomers to the A's, Tanner Roark, joins us here on A's Cast Live on the field. Welcome, Tanner. How you doing? Good. How you guys doing? Good. Thanks for joining us, man. It's, how's it been so far in your brief time here at the A's a couple of weeks? Great. Um, you know the guys are the guys are great. The clubhouse is, you know, the guys in the clubhouse. They know how to keep it loose, keep it fun, um, and I fit right in with that. What was it like for you in the days and hours leading up to the deadline when you knew eh, there was a possibility you'd get moved, but you never know if or where it's going to happen? Well, it happened at an Arby's, right? Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Well, you never <laughs> yeah. know where it's going to happen. Way, on my way driving down to Atlanta, bringing my wife uh, the family car for the kids. Um, I mean, I knew. That that's how the game's going this year, or has past two years. You know, trade deadline comes around with a guy that's free agent. Uh, you know, move him, and I, that's been in the back of my mind. But you know, it's it's I've never been through it before, so it was very unique, uh, very different, strange. You know, being traded in the off season, didn't expect that, and uh, you know, leading up to the hours before, I didn't. You know, I. Didn't think that I'd be driving down to Atlanta and then think <laughs> I was only 20 minutes out uh, of Cincinnati and then, you know, started hearing, hearing chatter. So, What's it like, what's the feeling also, Tanner, like for you that you're wanted by a team's in the pennant race and they want you because they know how you can come in here and help. What is that feeling like for you and the message to somebody coming over to a new it team? F- it feels really good. Uh, just a confidence builder knowing that, you know, people are – other teams are watching you. They're out there watching you. Um, they they know who you are, you know, behind the curtains. And, uh, you know, I think that's – it feels really good. It feels, makes you feel special in a way. Um, to come in knowing that the wild card race, like, it's it's on, you know, here in, here in Oakland. So, you know, I'm just going to come in here and do my best and – learn from each every guy try to teach other guys you know some things along the way um you know spread my knowledge and and uh get to know everybody 
You and Homer crossed over in Cincinnati, right? You were teammates with the Reds? No, no, no you he didn't. Is, okay, yeah, you missed him. Yeah, missed he, was, him. he was already uh, out of there. But. Uh, so uh, I'm wondering, you know, what, what kind of inkling did you have before you got here of what this clubhouse was like? Because it's a pretty unique clubhouse, so I'm told, in Major League Baseball. And what have been your impressions now being a member of this clubhouse? Well, I mean, just – just facing these guys earlier this year, you know, um, I knew their their lineup was tough and um, young, and and they could they could bang a little bit. So you know, I, was, I I knew that coming in, and then you know, finally getting to know know the guys, it's it's a it's very like a unique situation. Just coming in, in the middle of the season, and you're right into a pennant race, and Everybody's wanting to win. Everybody's, you know, got each other's back and counting on one another. And, um, yeah, the locker room situation, it's, it is what it is. And that's what it keeps, I feel like for a you know, short time I've been here, it keeps everybody, everybody's close. So, you know, conversations, there's talking, there's not uh, as many cell phones and, <laughs> and okay. watching movies uh, on your iPad. There's no, like... There's nowhere to to get away to, so it's <laughs> it forces us, which is good, yeah. and that's what keeps 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 the team close and you know keeps it fun and you know and talking with people. It's it's uh, crazy. It's a, yeah, it's a rare it's a rarity <laughs> these days. Yeah. Hey, Matt Williams managed you in Washington. Blake Trinan was with you there with the Nationals. Did that help make it feel a little smoother over here as your transition? Yeah, it d definitely did. Uh, you know, knowing knowing those two uh, and coming in here and just. It was a little more welcoming, um, but look at, with these guys that are already, they're already so talkative and, and they like to mess around, which fits in right where I am. I, I love to, to mess around and, you know, uh, talk some trash here and there. So <laughs> yeah. I know they, they do that in there. So I'm, I'm still observing to see who the main trash talkers are, but I'm, I'm, I'm weeding them out. So You'll let us know when you find out? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. I don't know if I <laughs> No, I'm sure you won't. Hey, we were just having the conversation about uh, the speculation of the Giants moving in the fences over there at Oracle and talking about pitchers' parks, hitters' parks. Just your thoughts on, on pitching here at the Coliseum, which is clearly a pitcher's park. Yes. Um, I mean, I, I love it because you feel like you're you're a lot closer to, to home plate. So, you know, feels like my 92 mile an hour is, is 97 <laughs> to me, to me coming out. So, you know, that's a... That's a good thing to have right away. I got to imagine you love all the foul ground here too. Yes, that's also, you know, it's, it's a unique field uh, having football and and baseball in the same field. Um, but I feel like there's also there's baseball is trying to produce more runs, and you know, there's not really many pitchers' parks going to be out there anymore. I mean, didn't the Marlins move their field in twice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. twice. Uh, San Francisco's doing it. It sounds like. Yeah, I heard that when I was out there. They're trying to make your life more difficult. I man. know. What the hell? Oh, well. we, we were talking with Matt Williams before, but just about the ball. Does the ball feel different to you? It doesn't feel different. It, it doesn't do, I don't know. I mean, MLB has come out and already said that they've, they've, they've changed the ball a little bit and Justin Verlander, your opponent tomorrow night, clearly doesn't agree with what MLB had to say. <laughs> what did it? What did it? What did it? Oh, he was very outspoken that the ball's definitely different, and when he grips it, it feels harder. He was having the same uh, feelings as far as the movement; it's not the same. That there's a definite 
juice ball is what he was saying. It's definitely, I definitely, it's definitely different. I mean, I don't, I can't put my finger on it exactly, but it's does just. It, does it feel harder, or is it harder to dig into the seams, for you? No, I, th I think it's, it is. I would say it's harder for sure. Mm -hmm. There's not. Uh, it doesn't feel sometimes if you you know you had balls in the past. I'd like to see what this ball this year was like, as so opposed much, to let's say the one last yeah, year. Yeah, so one one that I have from my major league debut in in thirteen. I'm, I got one at home. I'm gonna see what uh, what the difference are in feel. I don't know. Hey, how nice is it? I mean, you get traded, you can be traded anywhere, and you go from a team in, in Cincinnati that was not a contender to a team here that is clearly contending for a wild card spot. I mean, how nice is it to all of a sudden have postseason aspirations in play, no, it right? Feel, it feels good. Uh, you know, we missed out on it last year in D.C., and, um, you know, we're, we were trying to put together something in, in Cincinnati, and, you know, um, got traded. So now coming to a contender, it's in the AL, which I've never pitched in, and yeah. never, never been, yeah, in the AL at, at all, or out here on the West Coast. So, do you miss hitting? Yeah, I, I, I liked it. I like, I like hitting. Yeah, yeah. You try to move. Hey, you know, Skip, you can move me up a couple days. I could, I could go in the National League. No, part. there's, a, there's, <laughs> there's, uh, there's a line. There's, yeah, there's. I mean, you, you see, uh, Brett Anderson. Well, Anderson's hitting 667. Yeah, so you know, you know, Homer had Homer had a couple hits two yesterday. Hits yesterday. You know, so I'm be Third in line. Tanner Roark with us here on A's Cast Live. And you just got to spend a week in Chicago. How fun was that? Great. Uh, that's where I'm, I live like I was born and raised mm -hmm. in an hour and 15 minutes south in Wilmington, Illinois. Um, small town. But, yeah, it was, it was good to see everybody. My mom, my dad. My, my mom and dad actually took my, my, two, my two girls for the week. So me and the wife and, and the baby boy got to spend some time. Oh, awesome. Yeah, how, old, how old are your girls? Uh, ten. Soon to be Ten. Four and my boy is 11 months. Wow. wow, you got your hands full. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She's uh, she's back home in Atlanta right now. Yeah, with her hands full. Oh, wow, <laughs> they, they they coming out at all for the stretch the, run? The, my my daughter, my oldest, just started school today. Oh, right. So yeah, that school thing. Me and I just put yeah. the 11 month old on a flight to like, go <laughs> by herself. She's done it plenty of times and <laughs> she knows how to do it. It's just uh, you know, kids they don't like to follow rules or or listen the the greatest all the time. So. So no matter what uniform you're wearing, pitching against the team that you guys are playing this weekend is daunting, right? Yeah. You, you pitched against the Astros. You know this lineup. I mean, what's it like trying to trying to solve a lineup where I mean, if there are any holes, they're 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 not very big. Well, I just don't think you just can't make it bigger than it, than it is. Um, don't try to psych yourself out over it. It's, you got to face them. So uh, make your pitches, uh, execute your pitches. Um, keep them off balance. You know, don't let them feel comfortable out there at the plate. You know, so um, I feel like I do a, a decent job at that, uh, pitching in and you know moving the ball around, and that's what I, I feel like is, is successful is the key to success against this lineup. Yep. Now that you don't have to hit, but do you think about the starting pitcher on the other side, knowing you're going up against Verlander tomorrow night? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, if I was hitting. I would uh, <laughs> definitely be like trying to get a hit off him, but you know he's he's one of the greatest in the game, and it'd be it'd be a great feeling to beat him. Well, great stuff. Welcome to the ball club. Welcome to the Bay Area. It's been great to watch you pitch, and you get to pitch some meaningful games here down the stretch. It's gonna be great to watch. Let's do it.
Tanner Roark joining us here on A's Cast Live. A's and Astros opening a four-game series. And the, the weather, just, yeah, I know you're a newcomer, but to the bay, to the, the team, it's not usually like that. I know, I know. <laughs> it's definitely, I was, I was out in left field, and my right side of my face was burning <laughs> up a little bit. I was feels good, though. We don't yeah. have the humidity, though. I know. No humidity. Yeah, just, right. just heat. Yeah. Just heat. It's yeah. nice in the shade, though, now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but he's in the sun still. You guys are in the shade. <laughs> yeah. the Thanks again, Tanner. Appreciate <laughs> it. No problem. Thank you. Right, Tanner thanks. Roark joining us here on A's Cast Live. Coming up, we'll dissect what he had to say and look into the matchup tonight. A's nice. and Astros here at the Coliseum opening this big nine-game homestand. And we were getting into the changes in the ball. It's clear something's going on. Because home runs are flying out at a rapid pace. We'll get into that next here on A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, A's Cast Live continues. Our thanks to Tanner Roark, A's starter that just joined us here on A's Cast Live at the Coliseum from Ricky Henderson Field. Jeff Blum joined us earlier, as did Matt Williams. And we're taking up until A's baseball here at the Coliseum tonight, the opener of a nine-game homestand in game one of a huge four-game series with the first-place Astros. It'll be Mike Fires going for the A's tonight, who's been on an amazing roll. Aaron Sanchez has pitched really well in his two starts as being acquired by the Astros. From the Blue Jays with Scott Reese, Roxy Bernstein with you here on A's Cast Live. And you mentioned the home runs, and it's been a constant theme, not just today, Scott, but all season long with the rapid rate that the ball's flying out of the ballpark. So we're on pace in Major League Baseball to have 120 players hit 20 <laughs> or more home runs. Think about that. That's absurd. In, in 2014, 57 players hit 20 or more. We're on pace for 120. Already 75 guys have hit 20 or more home runs. It's August 15th, and yesterday Major League Baseball set a record for the most consecutive games with a player registering a multi-homer game. Yesterday became the 31st consecutive day that a Major Leaguer hit two or more home runs. I love that stat. Isn't that that's, nuts? That's, that's fantastic, and it is nuts. And, you know, you heard Tanner didn't want to come out and, you know, bash Major League Baseball or bash the baseballs. But, you know, every pitcher's thinking the same thing. Like, what is going on here? They're making our lives more difficult. They're completely changing everything that we do. And I don't think this is good for the game. I really don't. I mean, I, I'm not suggesting we go back to the, you know, raise the mound, back to the old Bob Gibson days and pitchers with ERAs of 1.6. But this is this is a little bit extreme for my taste, and I think it's altering, you know, the, the, the fabric of the game. Well, it certainly has had an impact. And, look, Justin Verlander, and we mentioned it with Tanner Roark, and Tanner was a little bit more diplomatic. Verlander clearly was not at the All-Star <laughs> Not game. diplomatic. And to the point where he got called into the principal's office. They brought him into the manager's office. And I don't want to say he got reamed, but Jim Leland and Tony La Russa were in there and basically say, you have no idea what you're talking about. You know what? In all due respect to Jim Leland, one of the greatest managers we've seen, and certainly Tony La Russa is as well. Justin Verlander knows exactly what he's talking about. Yes, he does. He, he's gripping that ball every day. He knows exactly what's going on with the baseball. And, hey, he's survived it. I mean, the number of Verlander's putting up in spite of that, you know, speak to the, the caliber of pitcher that he is. But, I mean, man alive. The, the, the guys who have 
double-digit 15, 18 homers this year, and you look at some of these guys and their pedigree and what they've done in their careers and what they're Except doing this year. Except for the Giants. <laughs> Except, which is even more yeah, befuddling, right? It's, it's really it's astounding. I mean, it's really astounding. I mean, the, the rate the ball's flying out, and you're going to have nearly half of Major League Baseball set their team record for home runs in a season. The Minnesota Twins are going to obliterate the Major League record. And I know Nelson Cruz is on the injured list right now, and he was having, what, he hit 15 home runs in 26 games since the break before he goes out. He had two three-homer games since the break, and then he goes on the injured list. But you look at what's gone on in, in Major League Baseball. The Yankees, in fact, and the Blue Jays, those two teams have had 10 different players with multi-homer games. The Dodgers yesterday became the ninth different Major League team to have a player register multi-homers in a game. It's incredible. And, and how about you know the A's, right? First time in franchise history, they have double-digit players with double-digit homers, right? Ten players now with ten or more homers. And a couple of other guys who conceivably could get there. Grossman could get there. And, and, and I think, what are they, the fourth team now in baseball already? And we're, you know, we still got a quarter of the season left, and already four teams have ten guys with double-digit homers. I mean, you look at the players, and it's not just, okay, Euron Alvarez coming up and the ridiculous numbers that he's putting up, but Aquino, right, for Cincinnati. The most home runs for anyone in their first 14 games. And it's not just, okay, what the hitters are doing, but it's how it's affected the pitchers and the home runs being given up. And, for example, you look at what Josh Hader, who was dominant last season and just out of the bullpen. Look, the A's saw it firsthand. Olsen and Chapman both got him for critical home runs here. And you look at Hader, and then you look at the season that Chris Sale is having. And Verlander, the great numbers, he's still giving up home runs at a high rate. And we've seen some of the struggles. And, look, I'm not saying that's the reason that Blake Trinan and Lou Trevino haven't followed up their season, have struggled a bit this year, but you wonder if that comes into play. I don't think there's any question. Uh, it, 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 the, the reality of it and the threat of it as well, it has to has to be in the back of your mind every time you take that mound. It has to change just a little bit you know, your philosophy and the way you pitch on a nightly basis. So it, it is having a massive effect on the game. And then, you know, we talked about the Giants the, the moving the fences in. I mean, th- this is the ramifications is, is we are we are so infatuated now with the long ball that we're changing the game. We're changing our ballparks to suit that aspect of baseball. I get it. Chicks dig the long ball, right? The old slogan from back in Thank the McGuire you, days. You know, I, mean, I, I, I get that. Everybody loves home runs. It's exciting, high-scoring baseball. But there comes a point where we are disrupting the legacy of the game, and I think we're teetering on that point. And that's what I, I think that was what drew the ire and the frustration for Verlander more than anything, is that the game has been altered. And he's at a point where he can get on that soapbox. Because, sure. look, he's still having a great season, and he's still got the credibility to be able to say that. And it sounds like sour grapes if it comes from somebody like Chris Sale who's having a miserable season. It's a fair right? point. Yep. If Josh Hader was to come out because of the struggles he's had closing games, yep. if he were to say that, I, I think it it's a little bit different. And, you know, Aaron Sanchez is pitching for the the Astros tonight. I, it unfortunately, would feel like a little sour grapes from him because he's been a much better pitcher than he's been so far this season. Of those first two starts with the Astros have been terrific. But – Verlander, I think, can come from the credibility standpoint that he's still pitching great despite the issues with the baseball. And, uh, oh, by the way, there's a rookie in New York who hit a 
home run again tonight. Yeah, Pete Alonso now at the National League rookie record. Is 39. The Mets are up 6-0 on the Braves with Marcus Stroman pitching for the Mets tonight. But it's been unprecedented around baseball, what we've seen. And you look at what the Dodgers and the offense that they put up. And, I mean, my gosh, the Minnesota Twins. And I, I think they – Towney used the highlight from a game I did. I called a game three weeks ago. The, the Twins were hosting the Yankees. And Eddie Rosario was up facing Jay Happ in the first inning. And so Eddie Rosario just reaches out and flicks one. And the ball just kept carrying. And it was a joke. It really was. And then, by the way, I should. And I was doing the game with Chris Singleton. First off, I have to wish the former athletic and the pride of Pinole Valley High School, yep. born and raised right here in Hercules, Singy, a happy birthday today. My former Chris, colleague at ESPN. Yeah. Great, great dude. My partner on ESPN Radio, turning 47 today. Wow. How I, can he be 47? That makes us it? old, doesn't it? Oh, gosh. Hmm. Considering I'm almost there. but well, well, you well, know, you, And he was a great high school football player also. You know his, his high school quarterback was, right? I do know. A Heisman Trophy winner. Gino Toretta. Gino Toretta, of course. The pride of Pinole Valley High School. I, I, Happy I, I, birthday yeah, to no, Chris no, Singleton. No. But Singy all of a sudden went off on this 30 to 45 second diatribe about how much of a joke the baseball is. And to the point where he was angry. Just because of the impact it is having on the game. And look, it's, it's significantly changing the game. Well, and we should make the point that it's not just the baseballs that are changing the game. You know, it's the philosophy of hitting. It's launch angle, right? It's the way that young players are now being taught to swing the bat. I was talking last week at Oracle to a, a couple of guys who were really good baseball players back in the 70s and then went on to pretty good coaching careers, Larry Boa and Dusty Baker. And hearing these two guys just, they were in a tizzy talking about how guys are taught to hit today and how you'll see guys in the cage and they'll hit five straight balls into the top of the cage and some coach will say, hey, nice round, nice round. Like, are you kidding me? Nobody wants to hit line drives. Nobody wants to swing down on the baseball and hit it hard. And so this, as much as, as the baseballs, is contributing to what we're seeing now. Guys hitting a ton of home runs. They may hit 240, but they're hitting a ton of home runs. And, and you know what? The bat's a little bit different also. And talking to a couple of pitching coaches around baseball, and I've asked them, you know, and but they're also quick to point out, yes, the ball is probably different, but the bats are different too. The bats are maybe, the, the batch of wood is stronger, and we're seeing these maple and ash bats now as well. And they're stronger, and they're not breaking as much. They're, but not, also, they're not using the Roy Hobbs bat anymore? No, the, the Wonder Boy is gone. Oh, man. It, that broke a long time ago. <laughs> but... We're seeing, I, I think, a change in everything. And it's not just the ball. And the seams may be different. It's tougher to grip it a little bit. But the bat's different as well. And I think that's had an impact on the amount of home runs we're seeing, in addition to launch angle and spin rate and exit velocity. It, 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 those, they've become buzzwords. And I know a lot of people who are already, even after, you know, how long has it been? A year, a year and a half of this launch angle exit philosophy. You see it on TV with the broadcast, every home run, breaking it down. People are fed up. I think there's some backlash. And maybe that sounds fuddy-duddy and maybe these are, maybe I'm hanging out with old school baseball fans. But I just, I think that, I think we've gone too much to that mindset when you're talking about baseball and the home runs. Well, 
they probably are going to come into play in this series yeah, considering we may see, the weather. We may Look, see one or two. And we know the ball is going to travel a little bit further. It just as it tends to do when it gets warmer here at the Coliseum, as we've known over the years. And with these two teams. Yeah, the way they swing it. You'll see the ball leave the park. And, you know, the, the point we didn't make about the A's, because we talked about the Giants, and, well, maybe it's not just the ballpark. They don't, you know, hit home runs with that lineup. Even more impressive, you know, the A's, the swing and A's, and what they've been able to do the last year and a half, hitting balls out of the yard with the uh, regularity that they have despite the ballpark, right? Because this is not a hitter's park, and yet, boy, they sure do make it look like one. Well, and the ballparks seem to be getting smaller yes. around baseball. All right, coming up, wrap up the show for a Thursday. Get you set for the A's and the Astros. We'll dive further into the matchup. It's a big series for the Oakland A's. Trying to chase down the Houston Astros in the AL West with Scott Reese, Roxy Bernstein rolling on from Ricky Anderson Field on A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, A's Cast Live continues. A's Cast Live, final segment before the A's and the Astros open a four-game series here at the Coliseum and a huge series it is. You can't win four in a row. You can't sweep unless you win the first one. And not only that, but the first one will be a historic win. It could be. The next victory for your Oakland Athletics will be franchise victory number 9,000. Could it happen tonight? You could see history. And look, this is a perfect night to be at the ballpark. The awesome. weather is spectacular. Awesome. And now that we're getting some shade inside, this is the place to be tonight. No doubt about it. A's will send Mike Fires, who's been on a wonderful roll, against Aaron Sanchez. And we'll see the, if it's he a newly improved Aaron Sanchez. Jeff Blum had some interesting thoughts on why the improvement. It's just two starts. But we'll see Aaron Sanchez tonight. The first time the A's will see him in a Houston Astros uniform as the A's are back home tomorrow night. Tanner Roark, who joined us earlier, will take on Justin Verlander. Saturday, an afternoon game at 105. It'll be Chris Bassett for the A's coming off the great start against the White Sox. Against TBA, that popular starter going for the Astros on Saturday. See, I heard it was TBD, so they're going to go with TBA? I'm going with TBA. Okay. Yeah. TBA. And then Sunday, Brett Anderson against Zach Grenke as the A's will see him in an Astros uniform for the first time. And then an off day Monday. The Yankees come in to open a four-game set Tuesday night, or three-game set Tuesday night. A rare off day next Friday in a brief two-game series with the Giants. How about that? Two Friday off days in, in three weeks. It's crazy. And, and that hadn't happened since, I believe, 1980 was the last time the A's yeah. had a regular season Friday non-scheduled game, game day. But we've had two now we've here had in two the month, in month of August. Uh, also, uh, to stay tuned for during the broadcast tonight, we'll have... Ongoing updates from Las Vegas as Jesus Lazardo is going to be making the start for the Las Vegas Aviators, the A's top prospect in the organization. And we will have live updates tonight during the broadcast to see what's going on with Lazardo and the rotation for the Aviators. We mentioned the A's rotation, but Lazardo's going to pitch tonight. It'll be also Marco Estrada going for Vegas tomorrow. The Dark Knight, who was signed to a minor league deal. Matt Harvey will pitch on Saturday. And you could have Sean Manaya going on Sunday. So, interesting times for the Las Vegas Aviators in addition to the Oakland Athletics. Good for ticket sales? Let's hope so, right? Mm. I'm, a, I'm a big Lusardo guy. I really want to see this guy pitch here in Oakland. 
I think that he will be a difference maker and remains to be seen whether he gets to do it as a starter or not this season. But give me a healthy Jesus Lestardo for the start of you know, next season. I'm, I'm a big believer. Well, let's see if he could have an impact on this year. And it's possible, you never know, as we had Eric Longenhagen, our lead, the lead prospect analyst from Fangraphs, joined us on the show yesterday, and he said there's no question that he is front-of-the-line rotation stuff, that he could have an impact if he's ready to go and he gets stretched out this season. And that's what they feel about the prospects for Jesus Lazardo. All right, Cody, we got time for buying and selling? It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. All right, look. I, I feel like Rodney Dangerfield. You asked for it. Look, I, t- I told you that I, I haven't had time to get an open for you ready yet. I just get no respect. Shouldn't he make time for you, Rocks? You would think. Yeah. Actually, what happened was I had one written for you, and they told okay. me, no, just keep it generic. And I'm like, well, no. That's, that's not generic. Well, no, the actual <laughs> open for the show, too. Right. But I, I, I get it. Townie's the ho- it's his show. I get it. He's the regular host. And, you know, I'm just a temp guy here, just holding down the fort in his absence. You're a worker bee. I am. But I was here yesterday, too. You know, you got time overnight. Uh, well, we, can you have it by next week so you can make me feel better oh. about myself? I'll see what I can do. Okay, thank you. I'll pull some strings. Oh, it's, I'm doing uh, – well, Saturday there's no A's cast live. But next Wednesday I'm doing A's cast live. Yes. So? Big big series, Yankees and Tom. Thank you. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I, I heard they're pretty good. <laughs> I heard they won 80 games recently. Not, to, uh, not today they're not. Yeah. 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 Uh. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Bronx Bombers. <laughs> Losing 11-1 at last check. Okay, so last night our pool host passed Adrian Beltre for the most hits by foreign-born foreign born player. He has 3,168 hits now in his career. Yes, he's a Hall of Famer. Oh, that's oh, not no, 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 no. Okay. Yeah. He's now 16th on the all-time hits list, 16 behind Kyle Ripken Jr., and he might get into the top 10 before the end of his career, which he probably will. Pulos has 651 career home runs, a, a career 300 batting average, three MVPs, two World Series, uh, 10-time All-Star, and he's won a batting title among various other awards. Buying or selling our pool host is the greatest foreign-born player of all time. Yes, I buy that. Yeah. Um, not just where he ranks, but the MVPs that he won, the world championships he won in St. Louis, the longevity that he's had now. He's broken down now, and he's not nearly the player that he was. But, yeah, I can go along with that argument that he is the greatest foreign-born player. And I think, for me, the, the longevity is a big deal uh, because he is nowhere close to the player that he was, and he's still a 260-20 homer guy, even at this point in his career. He's going to be 40 later this yeah. year. He is still a legit guy. So I, I think, for me, it's not only what he did at the height of his career, but it's the longevity that, that puts him in that uh, in that category. Yes, I'm buying it. Okay, so uh, another Albert Pujols question. Pujols has a war of 0.1 this season. That's a replacement lever, replacement level player this year, and he's been below replacement level the last few years. Uh, he's in 242 with 18 home runs and 70 RBIs. He has a 299 on base percentage. Uh, buying or selling the uh, the Angels need to bench Albert Pujols. Ridiculous. I heard Keith Law talking about this earlier, so I wanted Ridiculous. to ask you guys. I, I, I'm selling it for so many reasons. Uh, what is, is is having Albert Pujols in the lineup going to cost the Angels a playoff spot? Is he's that saying what if they want to make a serious run, they need to put up, they need to bench him. That's or cut them. So many reasons that's absurd. We already outlined several of them. Um, at the very least, if you want people to keep coming to the ballpark, in addition to Mike Trout, they want to come see Albert Pujols. They want to see one of the greatest players ever to put on the uniform. And, oh, by the way, 
Who, who, who's replacing it? Matt, oh. Matt Dice? Uh, not, and, not, his, and his 193 batting average? Not Justin Bohr, who's playing in AAA right now. Uh, right? I mean, CJ Crone ain't walking through yeah. that door. No, no. Who was the first baseman? Uh, Darren Erstad ain't walking Darren through that door. Yeah, there you go. He actually gave up coaching at the University of Nebraska. I saw he was that. their head baseball coach. Okay, so the so Dodgers on. threw Walker Bueller out there today. Okay. And a Kershaw last night had his 23rd 10 strikeout. No walk game. That's the fourth most since 1893. Can you guess the other ones? Uh, Randy Johnson at 830. Uh, Randy Johnson has 36. Kurt Schilling has 26. And Max Scherzer has 24. Uh, Ryu has a chance to set the ERA re- uh, ERA record for since they lowered the mound back in like 1960-something. It's crazy. Uh, then you got the Astros. Uh, Verlander, Cole, and Granke. Verlander has a chance for 3,000 strikeouts this year. Granke will win his 200th game probably later this year. He pitches on Sunday here. Cole might get well over 300 strikeouts even though he's injured. And if this is a World Series matchup, who are you taking? The buying or selling question is, the Dodgers' top three is better than the Astros' top three. I was wondering where he was going with all that. There's a lot of uh, setting up and pontificating and a lot of... So so, so the statement we are buying or selling is the... Dodgers' is top three. Kershaw, Bueller, Ryu better than Verlander, Cole, Cole and Granke. Buying. I will take the Dodgers. I'm going to sell even it. Even in the playoffs, and I know Kershaw's <laughs> history. Greinke hasn't been good either. Greinke hasn't I'm been good either, it. and that's why. Yeah, but Verlander has. Yep, He's pretty good. So, I, heard he's, I heard he might be a Hall of Famer. And assuming Garrett Cole can snap back from this little hamstring issue that he is dealing with, I'm taking the Astros rotation. Yes, the Dodgers might have better numbers this season with their rotation. Astros more pedigreed. But I, I, I'm going with history, especially in the postseason. Okay, so I'm not going to get – again, I'm not going to be able to get to the Josh Hader question about overusage, but <laughs> so I'll save that for maybe another time. But I, now I completely forgot I was going to go with this. That, that, I guess yeah, that great was, at this. That'll Fernando. be the end of buying – it was a follow-up to the Dodgers-Astros thing, and I completely, now I lost it, so we're out of time. All right, <laughs> All right. you so know what? we got a long way to go until that's a possibility. And I'm not buying that fan graphs – 100% that they're in the postseason. Yes, I think there's a very good chance, <laughs> but uh, come on. It's mathematically really? inaccurate. Yeah, correct. It, it, it's, you what can't if they're argue lose 47 there, there games is not, in a row to It is not year. a 100% certainty. I, I mean, right, it could happen. It could. Stranger things have happened. You no, want, not than that. You want to hit me with 99%? That's fine. I'll buy yeah, it. But it is mathematically two? inaccurate to say that they are 100% Here it is. I remember. Quickly. Settle this yes. debate. Zach Granke, Hall of Famer, yes or no? I think almost, but no. Very close, Hall of very no. good. No. How's that? Oh. No. And Todd, that's all. But you know here. what? I didn't think Mike Messina is a Hall of Famer. I, uh, Thank you. All right. Well, he's a Stanford guy, so I have to put him in. But I agree with you. <laughs> you lose your alumni card. <laughs> Our thanks to Jeff Blum who joined us. Our thanks to Tanner Roark, Matt Williams joining us here live on A's Cast Live. Coming up, it'll be Mike Fires for the A's. It'll be Aaron Sanchez for the Houston Astros. A nine-game homestand starts tonight here at the Coliseum. Our thanks to Scott Reese for uh, – jumping in it's been fun man yeah it was fun seems like old times very game day back movie. again very game day it's at its finest <laughs> the band thanks, back to Cody. thanks to ben coming up next it's the ball game right here on ace cast thanks to tuning in to another edition of ace cast live vince ray minus ken tonight coming up next with the broadcast i'll be with them as well no town either on the oakland a's radio network this has been a presentation of the oakland athletics